the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses raised, heads bowed down. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If this is the first time you're hearing the show, hey, welcome aboard. Now this show, the first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going to court. And in today's world, it's very, very important to avoid probate. Avoid going to court after you're gone. And as far as elder law is concerned, our main focus is to save assets from nursing home bills. Now, we just had a a bunch of seminars last week, and we're trying to figure out when we're going to do our next set of seminars. I'm not really sure. But in the meanwhile, to talk over estate planning, I'm accompanied today by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. My son, Michael. Greetings, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And one of the attorneys in our firm, firm, Nicole Donnelly. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, tell the audience a little bit about something something about yourself because they know about Michael and Beth and me. We've been around. <laughs> well, as I like to call myself, I am a Connors and Sullivan veteran. Mr. <laughs> Connors has worked me so much that I feel like I've been here for 10 years. Oh, <laughs> it's a tough job, you know. <laughs> but every single moment is very pleasurable, I must say. Our clients are good. They're good people. Our clients are good people because people, when you start doing estate planning or elder law, for the most part, you're coming in and you're trying to help your family. You know, very rarely you're really doing something for yourself. You're you're trying to help your family or your friends or relations or whatever. So, you know, we we meet very nice people most of the time. I mean, there's always an occasional exception to the rule. But most of our clients are good people trying to do the right thing, the best thing for their children, their families. Uh, Nicole, do we have a question we throw at the audience today? Yes, we do. Mr. Connors, I am the trustee for my aunt and uncle's trust. Very interesting, important role. (laughs) She was reading through it and she noticed that there was a reservation of 50-50 power of appointment. What does that mean and why do they need that? Okay, there could be a couple of reasons why they need that. Now, the 50-50 power of appointment what that does, it separates the, the trust estate, in effect, into two equal parts. One reason we could do it for tax purposes. Right now in New York, the first, I was going to say $6 million, but $5,930,000 goes out tax-free. 
So we've got a, a husband and wife. We divide the trust into two parts. We can affect leave $12 million tax-free in, instead of you know $6 million. And you might say, well, why is that important? Well, let's say for the sake of argument, you have a $7 million estate. You live in New York. Um, you pass away with no planning. Husband leaves everything to wife. Wife leaves everything, let's say, to the children with a $7 million estate. Children have got to pay over $700,000 in taxes in today's world. So by separating the trust in two, we can get almost $12 million out tax-free, and we're going to save the kids. Let's say if it's $7 million, we're going to save the kids $700,000 in taxes. If it's $12 million, we're going to save the kids you know, $1 million plus in taxes. So New York State imposes a death and estate tax once you start going over $5,930,000. And just to give an example, let's say you're single, you're widowed, you got a $6 million net estate. You might say, well, I read the paper, I don't have to pay an estate tax under $5,930,000. How much can they tax me on that extra $70,000? And the problem right now in New York, it's horrible. It makes no sense. The math doesn't make sense. But that's what it is. They would tax you $172,000 on a $6 million estate. In that case, you'd be better off giving something to charity for $70,000 and save $172,000 in taxes. So if you're at that $6 million threshold, you really need to do some planning. But one of the ways married couples can do some planning is they divide their estates in half. So um, a husband, let's say, if they have a $7 million estate, leaves $3.5 million completely tax-free. Wife leaves $3.5 million completely tax-free. And we're able to work the, the, the tax system without breaking a sweat. Another reason sometimes we do 50-50 PAV appointments, let's say we're in a, a husband and wife situation where it's a second marriage or nephews and nieces, husband and wife have different nephews and nieces, obviously you can't have the same unless the brothers married sisters or something. But for the most part, you're going to have different nephews and nieces or let's say you have children from prior marriages. So if you reserve a 50% PAV appointment, that means the husband can change his half among his family and the wife and her 50% can change her half among her family members. But let's say if the husband dies, his 50% has to go to his family. If the wife dies, 50% has to go to her family. And, you know, in, in that case, we give a measure of protection to both sides of the family. So those are the two main reasons why I would do a 50-50 PAV appointment. Um, sometimes you also, you know, this happens a lot in, uh, you know, Italian families, the mother says, well, I don't want my husband to leave everything to his girlfriend after I'm gone. So you have some kind oh, of 50, 50, so that, now that, come on. that occasionally happens and you people out there know it. Um, oh my goodness. so that's an, an occasional, another reason, but you know, you got to be culturally adaptable if you work at Connors and Sullivan. Nicole, <laughs> wouldn't you have to say that? I would say that. <laughs> and to move on with culturally adaptable, I am the Spanish-speaking attorney. I know you wouldn't think so based on my name, Nicole Donnelly, but my mother is Colombian. My father is Irish. My mother sp taught me Spanish before she taught me English, which drove my father crazy. But here we are today. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> but Very you don't even good. know what county your father's family is from in Ireland. As I said, my mother taught me oh Spanish my before my father even knew what I was saying. So I learned Spanish before English, so I would say my mom was pretty much in control on that one. Now, was your dad, did he grow up in Ireland or grandparents? When nope. 
everybody's just from Brooklyn, New York. As far as they go back, I know my grandparents were from Pennsylvania, all of them Pennsylvania, but okay. nobody's from Ireland, really. Well, uh, the listeners know I'm I'm into genealogy and everything, so it's it's a marvelous, marvelous road when you go back and you find out where your ancestors were in t- you know when what was happening to them. You know, it's history is interesting anyway, but then to know where your folks were in history fantastic it's really great when you find out they were all war criminals oh gee <laughs> yeah, well. all right mr connors get us out of this okay <laughs> nicole what we, we were talking about this uh, what are some of the differences what are some of the problems translating from english to spanish as far as legal terms are concerned well for the most part, a lot of the words that we use in English, we just don't use in Spanish. They're not commonly used and nobody really knows what you're saying when you translate them into Spanish. For example, a lot of people's children will read about a trust. Nobody will read about the Spanish name for a trust, which is a confedicomiso. So when I say the word in Spanish, everybody looks at me like I have 10 heads. Oh. Even though they only speak Spanish, if I say the word trust, they somehow know what a trust is because it's been previously explained to them by their children. So I try to use a little mixture of the most common words and the least common words and let them know that there is a proper terminology for it in Spanish so that I don't get looked at like I have 10 heads. Yeah, one of the things, I mean, some people don't realize this, but, you know, like most of, of Latin America, if not all of Latin America, is derived from Napoleonic uh code where the united states england ireland canada louisiana no no louisiana is derived from napoleonic code not from oh, english common law saying, no 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 i'm so with, i, I, I said I'm so england, sorry i said england ireland canada the united states okay. is derived from english common law whereas most of latin america and a good part of the louisiana law is derived from napoleonic code and there are certain differences and for the most part you it's it's a trust is not recognized in Europe, most European Union countries, whether derived from Napoleonic Code or not, and it's really not recognized. They do different things. They do corporations, stuff like that, but a trust is not something that you can just take from one part of England to another, one part of Europe to another, I'm sorry. Uh, England is a little different. They kind of recognize a trust, but they really don't understand that they haven't used it in the last few hundred years. You know, part of it is because, I guess, of taxes and things like that, so... Um, you know, so like, like people ask me all the time, well, if I do a will here, is it valid in another state? And the answer is always yes. But if you do a will here, is it valid in another country? Well, there's no question it's valid in a country that has a treaty with the United States, which is going to be most of the states in the European Union and, and actually most of the countries in the world. But how land is disposed of, of how land is uh devised or how it can be devised sometimes in a lot of european countries it's hampered by the napoleonic code and some of the property the real estate you own there's certain limitations and it has to go to family members and a lot of people are not crazy about that because they have to leave some of their assets to people they don't know well or don't you know don't want to leave them to but the thing is in some european countries the, the feeling was the land doesn't really just belong to you. It belongs to the family. You know, since land was handed down in some cases for generations after generations, 
So it's really not yours. It belongs to the whole family and the history of the whole family. And I understand the reason behind that. But in the United States, in common law countries, you can leave assets to whomever you want to leave it to. And, you know, we go through this all the time. Let's say we have people who have property in, in Ireland in the United States or Canada in the United States. Well, a will would handle that. And, you know, a question just crossed my mind. I'm not sure if Quebec follows English common law or the Napoleonic Code. Just have to check on that because we mo most of our clients from uh, Canada have come from other uh, if, if I remember correctly from my friends who were in law in, Mon you know, going to McGill, I'm pretty sure that they have to be trained in both systems. Yeah. And it, honestly, it can be as arbitrary as which language is your primary sometimes. Because Quebec is one of the most confusing legal systems on the face of the earth. And just, you know, aside from the cultural and legal differences that you were talking about between, you know, Napoleonic Code Europe and common law Anglosphere, there's also another thing when it comes to the language, the linguistic aspect of it. And sorry for being a nerd on this, but there are nobody cares what's laws in Quebec. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, come on. But that, but um, no, Spanish versus English. Now I'm talking about in English. There are about six hundred thousand words in the Oxford Dictionary, whereas in Spanish there are only a hundred and fifty thousand. So translations not being perfect is of course going to be difficult because when you've got a, a language as variable as English, which, you know, English is kind of this weird conqueror language that takes into itself all these other words from other languages, um, even taking up forms and, you know, English is, is a beast that really is hard for people from other cultures sometimes to adapt to. All right, Nicole, I'm going to change the subject on you now. <laughs> do you have any pets? I do. <laughs> I have two pit bulls. Okay, now do you have a trust in case something happens to you on those pit bulls? Uh -oh. No, only because I have a lot of takers knocking at my door to take control and help them through if something were to happen to me. They would be perfectly fine. You're not, fr you're not afraid they're going to be wards of the state? Absolutely not. Okay. My pets would not do good with anybody but us. <laughs> okay, well, Otto has a trust for him, you know. Who's what's going on with Otto? He's here with us today, by the way. He hasn't That's said right. hello, Being but very quiet in the he's a background good boy. here. Okay, well, explain Otto's trust. Okay, well, here's the idea. You know, let's say for the sake of argument, you have a pet and you want to make sure that they're taken care of after you're gone. You may want to set aside some assets or some amount of money to take care of them. So when if something happens to you, you know the the person who takes care of the pet will have some money to help bear the expenses it's expensive being a you know a pet owner today especially as the pet gets older and you start getting into medical bills and you know i don't think there's any uh medicare for or medicaid for dogs at least not if yet probably in a few years we will be and we'll probably be taxed if right we now. find any though i definitely am on the first of the list <laughs> to get that so let me know i have a senior citizen dog right now he's 11 oh, years old which oh. we know is 77 he's ready for oh. all planning <laughs> Now, some people laugh about it. They say, well, you know, I'm going to leave everything to the dog. Well, technically, you can't leave everything to the dog, but you can set up a trust and leave everything to the trust to take care of the dog. And, you know, that's sometimes it comes up, sometimes not as often as you might think, but there are a lot of people who are worried about their pets and they want to make sure they're properly taken care of. And, you, you know, if somebody dies without a will or, 
you know, and they're no close family members, that pet could be in danger of being euthanized. You know, so you have to, maybe you have to plan in those circumstances, and it's, it's up to you. Of course, if Curtis Lee would get selected mayor, we're not going to have any more pets euthanized. Yeah. I just want to say I'm, I'm still waiting for Curtis, by the way. I wanted to be part of this party. I did say that on my last radio interview. Reach out to me. You know where to find me. All right. Now, Dad, do you want to get into some historical cases where, you know, people trying to take care of their pets in their estate planning kind of has had difficulties or hiccups? I, I mean, the no, Hemsley case. I don't want to get into too much. Everybody knows Leona Hemsley, and I don't even know what happened there, that she left $10 million, you know, in trust for a dog. And I don't think the dog got the money, but the dog might have not survived probate. And here's one of the things. If you leave $10 million to your dog, you know damn well somebody's going to contest your will. So it's going to take years to get through probate. So there's a good shot, depending on the age of your dog, the dog is not going to survive probate. So, I mean, that's one tip. If you're going to do it, you may want to set up a separate trust, not go through your will. And especially today, nowadays, if you go through probate, you could have a very simple will. I leave everything to my you know, son of my daughter, no problems. It might take well more than a year for that will to get through probate just because things are working, you know, so slowly. And we want to avoid probate. And you avoid probate when you pass away. There are no assets in your name alone when you pass away. If you have real estate, ordinarily you want it in the trust. If you have bank accounts, you could have somebody else's name on it. No matter what your asset, there's a way to avoid probate. If you have IRAs and 401ks, Retirement plans, just put a beneficiary on it, and, and that will avoid probate. Well, we're going to need to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You'll listen to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Yes, I'm here. My son, Michael. Hello, everyone. And Nicole Donnelly, attorney. So happy to be here. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death, and it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide 
if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, now still accompanied by my son, Michael. Hello, and everyone. Nicole Donnelly, one of our attorneys. Hello, hello. My wife, Beth, she stepped out on us for a few minutes. I don't know why. But, <laughs> Nicole, you were mentioning something about the seminars, and, and you wanted me to repeat a story. You want to just touch base on that? So I think we left off saying that we want to avoid probate at all costs. And it's really obvious to certain people when you have houses, accounts, things of that nature. But what about if you have nothing? And when I say nothing, meaning all you have is your social security check. What do people still need to avoid probate for that? Do they need a will? What, you know, I know we had a really good story at the seminar and I think our view, our listeners will really enjoy it okay, and benefit well- from it. Here's the first thing. Let's say you have nothing. Well, you still have it. Usually, you have a bank account where the uh, Social Security check is deposited. So, in, in that case, yeah, it would be good to have somebody else's name on the account, and that would avoid probate. And the story you're talking about in a seminar is a case where we had a woman that was an SSI. Um, she lived in what we used to call a welfare hotel. She collected $800 a month in Social Security. She had a $2,000 bank account and was joint with her best friend. So in her mind, she didn't need a will. Again, she lived in what we used to call a welfare hotel, and so she didn't even own the furniture in the hotel room. So why did she need a will? She had a $2,000 bank account joint with her best friend. Now, her best friend would visit her every week. Her best friend would take her out to lunch. Her best friend, most importantly, would make sure she had a place to stay for the holidays. Not that the woman on SSI didn't have a family. She had a sister, but the sister disowned her because the woman on SSI was physically disfigured from birth, and sister was ashamed to be with her when they were kids and she wants nothing to do with her so anyway this woman who's on SSI living in this welfare hotel there's a fire in the hotel the woman in SSI dies in the fire other people are hurt lawsuits are brought the friend pays for the funeral the sister didn't go to the funeral who gets the money from the lawsuit unfortunately in this case the sister right because that that's one of the illustrations why everybody needs a will even if you think you own nothing something could pop up. I mean, things pop up all the time. Everybody needs a will, and I get asked this question at the seminars all the time. Why do I need a will? Everything I have is joint. Everything I have is in a trust. Why do I need a will? Because things pop up. You could be walking across the street, and you get hit by a bus, and there's a major lawsuit. Um, Who gets the money from the lawsuit? Who's in control of the lawsuit? A lot of times when you have these serious lawsuits, there's a big fight. Uh, a lot of times it's between the personal injury lawyers, but it's a big fight is who's going to control that lawsuit. And sometimes I've you know seen things drag out in court for a while because, again, who's going to control the lawsuits? Big money to the lawyers who are going to get it, and they try to maneuver some of the, the clients to go with them. So that's one thing, lawsuit. Sometimes it's just an odds and ends. Maybe it's a, a check in the mail. It's a lot easier to deposit if if you have a will and you can open up an account at some point, an estate account. Um, and, and, you know, like I remember one lady, she didn't have a will. She had virtually all her assets that were annuities, which had beneficiaries. So in her mind, and, and, and this is a 
one of the gripes I sometimes have with financial planners, you don't need a will because everything you own is in annuities and you have beneficiaries. Except she had a $10,000 joint account and she had an apartment, obviously, with furniture in it. Um, she had no will. The beneficiaries, yeah, they collected the annuities and they got control of the annuities and that was fine. But the $10,000 bank account, nobody could collect. Her relatives were not cooperative because they weren't getting anything out of it. And so here she is. She's got a $10,000 bank account, which let's say they were taking $1,500 a month out of her bank account to pay her rent. We couldn't get access to her apartment because, again, the people who were named and the annuities were not relatives. They couldn't apply. She had no will. And the relatives weren't cooperative. So basically, we couldn't really apply to have letters. We had to give it to the public administrator. So as time went on, all of her $10,000 in the bank account went to pay her rent, one. And two, all her things, which maybe wasn't worth a lot of money, but it was worth something, really got sold by the public administrator to pay some expenses or whatever. And nobody really enjoyed, you know, the money from the uh, from the furniture. And, and a lot of times, you know, that a will can take care of your personal items. Because I know a lot of times it may not be worth a lot of money, but you may have some nice furniture that maybe you want to leave to somebody, some charity, St. Vincent de Paul, another charity or whatever. So, you know, with the will, you're able to do that. Now, yes, it's hard going through probate right now, and it may take a while, but, you know, if it's small enough estate, voluntary letters, we may be able to get control of the, the assets. If you have no relatives, maybe we can sell the car. I mean, it's not too hard to sell a car if you're a relative, but if you're not a relative, it's not that easy to take control and sell of a car. Everybody needs a will. You never know. And if nothing else, a will for the most part is going to keep the state from getting your assets. Because let's say we we even have a husband and wife. Um, they have assets together. They don't have any children. And the husband, let's say, has a number of brothers and sisters, and they had he has nephews and nieces, and the wife, though, has no relatives. Uh, they die soon after another husband dies of natural causes. A couple of weeks, a couple of months later, the wife dies, and that happens more than you might think, uh, of natural or even unnatural causes. She dies and she has no will. The assets that were joint would go to the wife. If the wife has no relatives, those assets would go to the will. Uh, with no will would go to the state. And listen, I don't care who you are. You don't want your assets to go to the state. But if nothing else, the will, for the most part, will guarantee that those assets in your name alone do not go to the state. And again, you could have everything joint with somebody and think you're taken care of. But you could die in an accident together. Or, more likely, one could die soon. They, you know, they could be spaced apart. Hum, husband dies beginning of August. Wife dies the end of August. She doesn't get her affairs in order because she's upset. Couple's been married 50 years. And she can't quite deal with it. And then she dies without a will. And that's where you, you could run the possibility of... You know, let's say their house or other assets, even if they're small assets, go into New York State. Now, Nicole, you said you were from Brooklyn, but you don't live in Brooklyn now. Brooklyn will always be in my heart, but you are correct. I do not live in Brooklyn right now. I live in Staten Island. And despite the popular opinion and all the pushback that I get here at Connors and Sullivan, I personally love living in Staten Island. Yeah, and well, I also love our office in Staten Island, which is right by Bocelli's. Okay, which is on, you know, we're at 1250 Highland Boulevard in Staten Island. Which What, what is that close to besides Bocelli's? 
it's close to Royal Crown and a lot of... what funeral home is it close to? You're half Irish. (sighs) What bar is it close to? I mean, I'm as you can tell, I'm more of a foodie, not much of a drinky, because I know all the food places around it. So, <laughs> and for those of you, you know, with a little bit of nostalgia, we used to have an attorney here, Ed Dorney, and he could tell you anywhere ge- geographically how to get there if there was an Irish bar near there or a funeral home. Either way, he knew where they were, <laughs> all all around the, you know, the city. And if you said someplace in the Bronx. He would say that's near so and so's bar, Ned Devine's bar, or whatever, and you know, or some funeral home that was close to wherever. You know, it's close to Clavin's funeral home, which is right here in Bay Ridge. So that's how he would tell his geography. You know what? Just when I mentioned Ned Devine's, waking Ned Devine's, Michael, I think we should have that movie shown here in the office as an education. That would be a good one. That would be a good one. Now, Now Ned. Go ahead. Speak, no, just speaking of famous names, I have a question because I've never asked this, but Bocelli's, is any relation to either Sandro or Andrea? I doubt it. I don't know for a fact. Nicole, you can ask next time you're there. But the reason I say that about Waking Ned Divine, those of you who haven't seen it, it's about a guy who wins the lottery, which is another reason why you might need the will. He wins the lottery, and he's got the lottery ticket in his hand while he's watching the results, and he dies of a heart attack. So then who gets his lottery ticket and it goes through all sorts of machinations you know because apparently he doesn't have children but he does have a child and it gets a little complicated in the 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 town small irish town and they're trying to make sure that the lottery ticket doesn't go back to the state and they get a piece of it and it's it's an hilarious comedy i think it was one of the last pictures that one of our favorite actors did ian bannon um because i think he died in a an accident soon after that. And you uh, know, there is a weird subgenre of estate planning movies. So whether it's Waking Ned Divine or that one that came out on Netflix last year, I care a lot. There are a lot of these estate planning movies out there that it's like, well, yeah, I never thought of that as a cautionary tale, but you know, when you actually dig into it, yeah, of course. Of course that's something that could happen. Yeah, well, anything can happen, and that's the idea about estate planning. And, Nicole, I, I know you've been here just a little over a year, but you see that. How many times has something totally unexpected happened? More times than you can ever think. I like to think of myself as a very imaginative person. And before I started here at Connors and Sullivan, there was about 70% of the things that have happened in this year that I could not imagine. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, again, we see probably a 1,000 new clients or families a year. And when you get a 1,000 stories a year... You start multiplying things and, you know, almost almost anything that you can imagine does happen. And, you know, this might be something maybe you don't want to think about, but every once in a while a, a child dies before a parent and the people are unprepared. And think about it when it's not painful to think about it. You know, plan in advance and say, God forbid something happens to my son, my assets go, again, wherever. If you have grandchildren, it might be easy, but if you don't have grandchildren... That might be a very, very difficult decision to make. Do it kind of in advance. You know, have your plan in place. You can always change your plans if you need to. But everybody should have a plan, and then everybody should have the what-ifs. And that's one of the things we do talk about at at the seminars, the what-ifs. Because there are a lot of people that say, oh, I'm leaving everything to my son. That's fine. Does your son have any children? No. What do you want to do? And, of course, I would say one of the other cultural things that goes apart Virtually, no matter what culture, except for a few, 
virtually nobody wants to leave anything to their daughter-in-law. Nicole, would you say that's almost universal? I would say that's almost universal, but I'm hoping that's not the case in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll see, you know, uh, that, that, Stay that's tuned. I will keep you guys updated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So I guess we're going to take another short break. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my son, Michael. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And attorney Nicole Donnelly. Always a pleasure. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Listen, I love going to bookstores, and if I were in New Jersey, in Ridgewood, New Jersey, on Monday, August 14th, I'd be bookends. Why? Because the great actor, television personality, Bruce Campbell, is going to be there. And we're fortunate enough to have him on our show. How are you doing today, sir? Good. Bada boom. Ridgewood, start the show. They're they're the first uh, guinea pig of the tour. First stop. And you're going to be in person signing books. I will be. I will. This. I. I've, I. made a deal. I agreed to not send my doppelganger. It'll actually be me. I will be signing. And Ridgewood. The trick is, you know, it's nice there. Ridgewood goes. Hey, man. Thanks for not making me go back to Manhattan. It does. Well, on August fifteenth, you're going to be at, at Huntington at Book Review at seven o'clock. Exactly. I'm making a sweep of the East Coast. What is your book about? About three hundred. No, it's a. It's a continuation. Uh, about 15 years ago, I put out If Chins Could Kill, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor, because I felt that the world needed to know like, what the second-class citizens of Hollywood were like and what we did. And so this is 15 years of more ridiculous stories, so it's the continued confessions, the further confessions of a B-Movie Actor, because there's a lot of confessions in the B-Movie world. So it's, just a, it's a lot more lunacy, picks up where the other one left off, and uh, fills us fills us in on the the other side of Hollywood. Now, when you say you're a boob, B movie actor, what does that mean? It means that you do a lot of genre stuff for the most part. You know, I don't do rom coms really. Uh, I did a bunch of TV stuff back in the day, which is pretty pretty mainstream. Like Burn Notice was pretty mainstream a show that I did, but even that's kind of a B movie concept. Spies running around blowing stuff up. So it's a lot of that carnage, mayhem, sci fi, fantasy, horror. Not that much mainstream. You had a hit TV series on Stars. I mean, that doesn't make that yeah, doesn't get to the end. Yeah, we just we just finished our uh, third season. But even that, that's what you would call kind of cult TV, because technically that's based on the old Evil Dead movies. So it's kind of an unrated TV show. So it's even that's not really mainstream. We just finished our third season for Stars. Some people in the audience may not put the name with the face right away. Tell them about the Evil Dead series. Evil Dead series, we made one in three different decades. The first one we filmed in 1979. It's a gritty horror movie. Five kids go to a cabin. They find an ancient book. They read from it thinking it's cool. They unleash sort of these ancient demons, and one by one they get possessed. So it's old-fashioned, cheesy, over-the-top monster movie. The 80s, we did a sequel, Evil Dead 2. 90s, we sort of killed the franchise with uh, Army of Darkness. 
which is sort of a favorite of a, of a lot of them. It's very mainstream. It's sort of like an adventure movie, like Jason and the Argonauts. And then we decided to turn it into a TV show 24 years later. So, you know, what the heck? So the character has endurance. I think so. He's the, uh, it, the lead guy is Ash, who fights these demons. They're not sort of shuffling zombies. It's not really that sort of deal. These demons are tricky, and they talk, and they can, they're very clever and very deadly. And so, But our lead guy is Ash. He's just a regular guy. So hopefully people can relate to that. He's, he doesn't have any military skills. He's not FBI or CIA. So that's what I kind of like, too. This guy's he's no different than your neighbor. Reading through your book, I, I just got it today, so I just glanced at it a little bit. But part of it, you talk about a trip that you have to Iraq. Yeah, we got a weird opportunity uh, making this TV show Burn Notice. We we wound up meeting a bunch of military personnel as they'd stop by because I guess it was sort of it was popular with the troops. And we thought, you know, myself and the lead guy, Jeffrey Donovan, we thought, well, we're too old to fight, but maybe we can go over there and sign some stuff. And we just tossed it out. We didn't really know if they were going to take it seriously or not. And the Department of Defense got back and said, okay, let's go, let's do it. And we were like, holy crap, we, we get, like, orders and everything. And so we went over there uh, in '09 to see the troops, and it was a you know, amazing experience. And then again, I, another chapter I saw you talking about making a film in Bulgaria. Why would you make a film in Bulgaria? Yeah, you, you tell me, brother. Um, <laughs> you know, i tell you why. Because the average Bulgarian at the time I was there, which is like 2005, average Bulgarian made $110 a month. So I think the Sci-Fi Channel just basically put up a shingle there and was like, we're making all of our movies in Bulgaria. It was just you, you couldn't fight the economics of it. Was it the perfect place to shoot? No. But, you know, you go where the going's good. I go where the work is. The work was in Sofia, Bulgaria. So here we go. Now, I know you make some negative comments about Hollywood. Why? Why? Um, I think they could be a lot more efficient. I think they waste a lot of money, an incredible amount. If you take a $300 million movie, I'll give you, I'll give you $301 million movies rather than one $300 million movie. Their economics, I think, are a little screwed up. They got, there's no middle class anymore. Movies are now like 500000 or $300 million. So, I don't know, it's a little out of whack. I'd like to see more of the independent stuff come back, a little more of a thriving middle class. We make a movie for like $10 million. But every movie now has to have eight movie stars because it's so expensive. So, I don't know, it's interesting. I- I'm happy doing my thing. Your first film, how much money went into that? Uh, it started as... $150,000 investment, we went over budget to about 350000 So that was the cost of the very first Evil Dead. Fortunately, uh, you know, 30-some-odd years later, all of our investors are they're very happy. What's next on the – what's your next project? Well, let's see. Yeah, go to 35 cities with this book and uh, share the Looney Tunes, and then uh, we're going to see about season four for stars. We're waiting for them to, uh, to throw down, make a decision. And otherwise, get back on the hamster wheel and keep working. That's what I do. If you were advising a young person, would you tell them to get involved in acting and movie producing? Well, it's certainly a vocation that I don't find is boring. I got into it so I didn't have to sit in a cubicle or, you know, wear a tie. And uh, it takes you around the world. It can, a lot of highs and lows. Not great for family. I'm not sure if acting is good for you or bad for you yet. Uh, you can get hurt acting. I've gotten hurt multiple times. But uh, it can be a cool job, but not 
not for the faint of heart. It's like, you know, you guys are in showbiz. You got a thin skin. This, this probably ain't the business for you. All right, I got to ask you one more question because my wife is here. One of her favorite <laughs> films was Bubba Hotep. Can you tell the audience about oh, nice. that one? She's got class. She's got taste. That came across my desk. It was one of the weirdest scripts I ever read. But there was a weird, um, nice feeling about it of what happens with old people. Like, you know, about forgetting people who age. It had a strange undertone, almost melancholy. And so I thought that was the theme of the, uh, oh, yeah, and they fight a mummy. You know, so I thought it was a great relationship between an old Elvis and a guy who thinks he's JFK, the great Ozzie Davis. And they they defeat a mummy and save a rest home. They're like two old heroes. So I thought it was really a fun story by Joe Lansdale. And Don Coscarelli, he's the guy who did the Phantasm movies. So he's the perfect combo. You know, it, it that one just worked out. Your TV work, uh, some TV series, I mean, they weren't they they may have been short lived, but again, a lot of people liked them. Yeah, Burn Notice ran for seven seasons. So I had I had one hit TV show that I was on. And then I've guest starred in a bunch of stuff. You know, you make the TV rounds and sort of, in the 90s, I did all the uh, Lois and Clarks and, you know, I shuffled Homicide and, yeah, I made the round. August 14th, you're going to be there. You're going to autograph those books, right? I'm going to be there. We're going to, people are going to get some signed books. Uh, if it's, uh, if the masses are too great, well, I'll pre-sign some stuff. But we want, want to make sure that people get their money's worth. And um, so come on, you know, bring the kids. We're going to try and make it a rational experience it's always important call the bookstore call them ahead of time go dude what are the rules and they'll tell you what's going on sometimes you can bring a book from somewhere else sometimes they actually want you to buy right there so if you really want to go and see me in person it's probably best to buy at that store they'll be the happiest with you and they'll be the nicest to you if you do that right sometimes they don't even let you in if you don't buy from that store Absolutely. Because, you know, unfortunately, though, this is the modern world. People bring receipts in from stuff. You always want them to pre-order, right? Good news, they pre-ordered your book. Bad news is they go to the event and you can't sign it. So it's a little tricky. That's why I call the store so nobody gets all pissed off. August 14th, Edgewood, New Jersey. August 15th, uh, Huntington, New York. Hail to the chin. Further confessions of a B-movie actor. (laughs) Bruce Campbell, thank you for being on our show. Hey, thanks for your time, guys. I appreciate that. I'll see you for the next sequel in 15 years from now. Okay. The final confession. Well, I'll see you, I'll see you uh, Monday, the 14th. Great. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. How can I protect? my family if something happens to me. What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. 
now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, they are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. I'm in a good place in my life. And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable, I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at catholicscomehome.com. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, now accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hi, everybody. And my son, Michael. 
Thanks so much for joining us. Michael, we just had seminars. We just finished a round of seminars. If somebody missed the seminars, how can they see the seminar? If you want to pull up one of our seminars, all you have to do is go to youtube.com and enter into the search bar Michael Connors, Connors and Sullivan Video Seminar, and that's going to be the first thing you see. Connors and Sullivan Video Seminar, and you've got it right there. And by the way, if you missed the seminars, you know, please feel free to schedule an appointment. We can go over it. Give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Now, Beth, you saw a couple of people from the seminars this past week. I got out and about more than I have in a long time. I was in the Middle Village office, and then I was in the Manhattan office today, and there were so many people there that listened to the show. Thank y'all so much, and y'all are so nice. Oh, my goodness. We talked about family and, you know, where the, where they came from. So many were immigrants to the United States. They love the United States. So, um, oh, wonderful people. Thank y'all so much, and thank you for letting me come in and, and say hi to to you during the appointments. I really did appreciate it. Okay, now, Michael, you were an event uh, a couple of days ago. What was it about? You know, we're thinking about Father Paul. Yeah, well, that this is one of the, you know, uh, it's, it's helpful sometimes for people who have suffered to not be forgotten. And there was a just this small little vigil in Washington Square Park for the victims of the Beirut explosion and everything that they had suffered there. So, you know, Lebanon is one of the most beleaguered places on the face of the earth, and they deserve at least a little bit of attention. So, yeah, that just, it it was nice going somewhere and seeing that there were people who actually cared. That's, I think, ultimately something now, Good. a lot of people ask me at the seminars, how's Father Paul doing? Well, he's back in Lebanon right now. He told us he plans to come back. He's got to take some more surgical procedures or whatever, but he plans to be coming back to New York over the Labor Day weekend, and hopefully we'll have him on the show right after that. And we are, I mean, people have asked me this. Are you going to have a fundraiser for him? And yes, we will have a fundraiser for him. we got a lot of things to go through. We're trying to get approval for a not-for-profit forum. Um, things go slower than we'd like it to go. But we're definitely going to have to do some kind of fundraiser for Father Paul in the fall. And believe me, if you listen to the show, we're going to give you, we're going to beat you to death with the information about the fundraiser. And well, one of the reasons he's, he felt like he had to go back was he, the the land, it was just leveled. You know, the, the Christian portion of Beirut was just leveled. And um, he's he wants to go back and fence where the hospital, where his clinic was, and then put concrete down so that the the government just doesn't come in and take it over. He wants to ma- let everybody know, no, okay, we're coming back. And I mean, I'm not going to nerd out on the science stuff, but in terms of megatons, this thing was as bad as certain, you know, nuclear explosions or bombings or something. So just keep that in mind. Like, Imagine if that happened to your neighborhood. That is an awful thing to imagine. We just have to keep them in our prayers, everybody. Everybody. And keep them in our prayers, and if you have anything to give, then that's that's going to be something that's going to help them massively. Okay, in the meanwhile, I think it's about time where we're going to be wrapping up the show. We hope to be back at the same times and stations next week. In between, if you have any questions, 
you know, you can email us a question. Where, Michael, do you email us? If you want to email us, you email us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's Connors spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S. Michael spelled the normal way. Askmikeconnors at gmail.com. All right. We'll hope to see you next week the same time and stations. We appreciate you being there. Bye-bye, everybody. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.